All right, well, I'm excited about our new, our new series. It is called Because of Bethlehem. It comes from a book by Max Lucado titled Because of Bethlehem. Love is born and hope is here. I want to tell you something. Check out uh, this week. Uh, I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, check the dates. But there are a special showing of Max Licato and multiple singer and artists at the movie theaters. Uh, they're doing a special three-day event. You can get tickets. I would encourage you to call some other people in the church. Hey, let's go. Um, but it's called Because of Bethlehem, and it's just a really great Christmas special for a couple days. It's only in the theaters for those couple times. But go out, encourage others to join you, and, and enjoy the Christmas spirit together. And so today, that's what we're talking about, right? Love is born. Hope is here. Jesus is that hope. I'm telling you today, no matter what you're facing, no matter your current reality, you have hope. If you have Jesus, you have hope, right? Hope has a name. We've got shirts that say it. On the back, it says hashtag Jesus. Jesus is that hope. Now, here's the reality, though. Perhaps some of you are here today and Christmas is difficult for you. This might be the first one where somebody is not here. Maybe you're sitting around the table and there's an empty chair. Maybe you've lost a relationship or you've lost a job or you're going through some really difficult times and Christmas is not necessarily super joyful for you. Guess what? God understands difficulty. He understands pain and suffering. That's the beauty of our Savior. He's been there. Think about this. If he was willing to be born in a stable, then expect him to show up and work anywhere. No place is too common. No person is too hardened. And no distance is too far that he will not go to reach those that he loves. There's no limit to his love. Somebody needs to hear that today. There's no limit to his love for you today. So turn with me. We're going to turn right away to our text in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple different scriptures today. But this is a familiar passage. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 to 23, talking about the birth of Jesus. All right, this is the lineage, Matthew chapter one before, it talks about the lineage of Jesus, goes through all of all the people. We're not gonna read all of that. It's interesting, so go back and read the rest of Matthew chapter one. But we're gonna pick up in verse 18 this morning, and I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. All right. I love, I love these times when the angels show up in scripture because I always think it cracks me up because they show up and they're like, ta-da, don't be afraid. You're like, come on. Of course they're going to be terrified. You know, we don't know what that angel looked like, if it was a bright shining light, if it was this massive warrior. We, we don't exactly know. But I just, I, you know, God has a sense of humor, right? And the angel shows up 
and says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, referring back to the Old Testament. Verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now listen, we're talking about Bethlehem, but we're talking about the miracle. See, there are so many miracles that happened even before Jesus, who is the miracle, right, showed up. So many miracles. I think we forget it. Mary, who was very young at this time frame, they're engaged to be married. That's a big deal that she was pregnant. The fact that Joseph didn't take off running is a big deal. That's a miracle. The fact that Mary, when the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth, the fact that she didn't run terrified and said, no way, I want nothing to do with this. That's a miracle. All these things had to take place. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied long before Jesus came to earth that he was going to come in a certain way, in a specific way. Miracles, because those prophecies came true. So before he even showed up, miracles is just what he does. He's the same God. We sang about it. Same God, same miracles, same ones he's done in the Old Testament and the New Testament he does today because he's the same. The same miracle working God, he's here and hope is here for you today because love, which is God, Jesus was born. Amen? That's for somebody here today. The angel appeared to Joseph and gave him the peace that he needed to know that he could take Mary and that it was gonna be all okay. Again, he had to have been a righteous man for him to trust this bright light angelic being that's saying, don't be afraid to take Mary. Lots of trust in the God that he knew to be able to walk out this story, which we know the end of the story, but they did not. They were just being obedient to what God was saying to them at the time. Mary didn't know, right? There's a lot of things she didn't know. We know the song, right? It asks all these questions. Mary, did you know that you're a baby boy? Mary, did you know? But she knew some things, right? We gotta give her some credit. She knew God and she knew she could trust him. And so she decided, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna participate in what God is doing. And so both Mary and Joseph just began to be obedient with what God had called them to do. That's what God calls us, just to participate in what he's wanting to do through our lives. They weren't perfect, but they were just willing to say yes to Jesus, amen? Let's look at a couple scriptures from the Old Testament. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says this, and again, familiar passage to everybody. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. All right, these are the names of Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those are the names of our savior. 
That is who he is in his essence. His government and its peace will never end. His rule, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven armies will make this happen. It was foretold long before that Jesus would come in the way that he would come. I don't know about you, but that gives us such peace to be able to trust this mighty God. His word is true. The prophecies are true. The miracle of Bethlehem has many miracles to it before even Jesus came. It was out of chaos that Jesus did come. If we can remember back to that day, it was a cold night in Bethlehem. Don't forget, Joseph built a fire, tried to figure out probably how to heat some water. Mary cleared a spot on the straw and set about the task of bringing God into the world. Mary bringing the living word of God to the world. For those of you that question if women can do anything in ministry, Mary was chosen to bring the living word of God and carry it into the world. So I think ladies can preach and be in ministry. We won't go there, but hello, that was free. That was free. Okay. Right? Goodness sakes. (laughs) In that moment, Mary knew it was all worth it. As she looked around, realizing this miracle that was about to take place, she had, they had journeyed a long way on camel, on donkey, sorry. Not real comfortable, pregnant. The ache in her back, the ache in her heart, all of a sudden began to fade away as the baby was going to be born. The questions of how and the wonderings of when, they didn't linger any longer. Unpleasant and difficult, yes, yet they resulted in the world's greatest miracle of Jesus, our Savior, being born on that day. Was the first Christmas different from what Mary had planned? I'm sure. I'm sure she had no idea that that it was going to look like how it did. But yet it turned out greater than she could have ever dreamed. See, God uses our struggles to accomplish his will. Let me make this clear. He doesn't bring struggles into our life. God is not that way. He's, not, he's a loving father. Sin creates chaos. We, do, we create chaos. God then will take those things and use it for his good and for his glory. So despite the chaos of the first Christmas, everything happened according to God's plan. Do you need that reminder today? Despite the chaos, despite what you're facing, the discouragement, the heartache, the uncertainty, God's got it taken care of. You can trust him. He is your hope. In your world of short nights and hard work and high stress, remember this, that God holds everything together for his glory and for the good of those who love him. He's got it all in his hands. We sing it. He's got the whole world in his hands. Right? Do we believe that? Do we trust that? It's not just a fun song. It's true. 
Love has come and hope is here. When Christ was born, so was our hope. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And somebody here today needs to be reminded of that. You might be feeling hopeless, discouraged, alone. Put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is our hope. Cling to that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ah, then you will overflow, not with your joy, not with your own peace, but with his. The Holy Spirit will give you his joy and his peace so that you can overflow into a world that's so dark and that's so needing the Jesus that we have. Does that make sense? Let me read a quote from Eugene Peterson. It says this, hoping doesn't mean that we do nothing. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It's a willingness, listen to this, to let God do it his way in his time. Hmm, right? <laughs> it's a willingness to let him do it his way and in his time. J.I. Packer said this in Knowing God, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope for pardon, hope for peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he could hang on a cross for us. Because Christ came, he is near. Emmanuel, God with us. He's always for us. Amen. He's for you today. Jesus entered our world not like a human, but as a human. And he endured everything that we go through and more. He understands what you're going through. I've been walking through some things in my own personal life. And, you know, the, the longer you know Jesus, it, the sweeter he becomes. You know, where it says that he's your friend that's closer than a brother. The longer you know him, that becomes sweeter and sweeter. Because there's just something that only Jesus can do in your life and your heart. No other person, however great, how much you love them, it doesn't compare into his love for you and for I and for me, amen? Jesus understands what you feel and he's faced what you face. You're not alone today. We may forget him, but he will never forget us. We are forever on his mind and in his plans. Because of Bethlehem's miracle, we can answer this question. Does God care if I'm sad? Have you ever wondered if God cares about what you're going through, what you're dealing with? Anybody ever just, yeah. Let's look at this from John 11. 
We're going to look at this story, and it's again familiar, John eleven thirty-two 32 through 34. Jesus is at his friend's tomb. And I love this because in this passage, it references his humanity, his feeling, and his emotion. Again, sometimes we forget he's not just a God up in heaven that's so far away and doesn't care about us. He has emotion, and he knows us and loves us. So turn with John 11, verse 32, and I'll get there. All right. You guys doing all right? Okay, good. Here we go. Okay, so Lazarus had passed away. It had been a few days. Jesus shows up late. They're kind of upset that he should have came earlier, right? Like their expectation was you should have showed up earlier because then he wouldn't have died. All right, so here's where we pick up the story, verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Do you see that? He has feelings and emotions. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Listen, I know we know this story, but I think we forget about Jesus and his humanity. He set aside his Godhood. He left that aside to come to earth, to be Emmanuel with us, to have feelings and emotions. And I love it. It says he wept. He was emotional. This was his friend, These were people that he loved. And he knew, obviously, what he had the capability. He knew. But they were still doubting and not trusting him and who he was. They were looking at the the scenario, right? We've got a dead man that's been dead for four days. That's the facts. Our God is bigger. He has a perspective that's bigger than what we face, the reality of what we face. We have to put our hope and trust in him. He raises people from the dead. He himself raised from the dead. He's alive today. Our hope is in Jesus because of that. Amen. We can have hope in our Savior. 
and his name is Jesus. <laughs> Each one of us have entered the world with a sin nature. Even under the right circumstances, we will often do what is wrong. It's a part of our flesh. It's why when we ask Jesus into our heart, we have to daily die to our sin nature, our flesh. We see it all around, right? Our world is full of sin, full of evil all around us. And it seems like it's getting darker and darker. The Bible says that sin came into the world through one man, referring to Adam, and death comes through that sin. And so death spread to all men because of that sin. Romans 5.12 says this, when Adam's sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. That's what we have to deal with because of that. And then Jesus comes as like a second Adam so that he could die on the cross so that we don't have to pay for our own sins. So thankful that Jesus came, not only as a baby and what he came to then become the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to die on the cross, to rise again, amen. John 3, 16, we all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes will not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. His love was so great that he gave his one and only son. But Jesus had to participate in that, right? So good. Christ died for our sins once and for all. You know, none of us in the room are good enough to save our own selves, to save ourselves from sin. Only Jesus, only the price that he paid. You're not strong enough to save yourself. We all need a savior. Whether you think you do or not, you need a savior. And this Christmas, Jesus is speaking. He's inviting all to him. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Jesus loves all. He is father to the world. He wants so many more to come to know him. You see, just like the innkeeper when Joseph and Mary showed up, he had an opportunity to open the door. Many today missed the opportunity. Jesus is at the door, he's knocking, and many people are just not answering, pretending that they're not home, but he's there, standing at the door. I don't want you to let the birth of Jesus pass by. I don't want you to ignore the invitation of Jesus and salvation in your life. He's come for each one of us. I want that to sit in, settle in your heart. He's come for you, for I. You're never too old, too messed up, too worn out to come to Jesus. And even if you've known him for a really long time, sometimes we need to be reminded about what this whole thing is about. Our life is not our own. 
If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you signed on the dotted line, I surrender all, then your life is his. We need to be reminded to get out of the way. We sang it in worship. We gotta make room. In order to make room for him, we gotta get our heart cleaned out. We gotta empty ourselves of ourselves. Your stack of sins is never too high and your list of failures is not too long. His love is here today for you. By sending Jesus, God did away with every barrier, every fence, anything that would hold us back. It was demolished when he sent Jesus. Jesus is that connection. All you have to do, all I have to do is open the door of our heart, the door of our life, and just let Jesus in. Let his peace and his joy and his love just in our hearts and in our lives. God enters our lives and he's speaking. He's speaking to you today. Are you hearing him? in your heart and your soul? Are you listening? He speaks through our scripture. He speaks through nature, sunsets, the kindness of a friend. He's speaking all the time. In this Christmas season, he sings through the carols that we sing, right? The worship that we participate in. You can hear him, his voice calling you. He reaches out to us through the Christmas story, the one that we know so well, the one that the Peanuts character can recite from Luke 2, right? We know it so well, but do we know him? Do we know the savior of the story? Amen? Revelation 3.20 says this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You guys, that is our savior. He wants to come into your life. And I love the visual. He wants to share a meal with you. Think about what that looks like sitting down, having coffee, talking back and forth, how are things going? That's the savior. That's the kind of relationship he wants with you as a friend, together as friends. Yes, he's God. Yes, he's the savior of the world, right? But he wants to know you on that personal level. Will you open up your heart today? Will you allow him into deeper places? He's knocking and he's gonna keep knocking. That's the thing. He's just gonna keep standing there. How long will you keep him outside or will you open that door and just let him in? As we get ready to close here in a minute, I wanna read this little part of this um, story in the book. And I just thought it was so encouraging because God never gives up on anybody. And the story is this. And this is um, Max Lucado who's, who's referencing. He says, I was called to the bedside of a dying man a few days back. 
an 80-year-old scoundrel. Yes, definitely a scoundrel. He spent the final decade of his life with time on his hands, money at his disposal, and women on his mind. His exploits would have made Hugh Hefner blush. But as his health began to fail, his conscience began to stir. When the doctor told him to get his affairs in order, he called me. He wanted to get right with God in that moment. He made a deathbed confession of faith. Might I make a confession of my own? This is Max talking. I left the hospital room with a scroogey scowl on my face. He said, that's too easy, I thought to myself. A guy like him deserves to be routed through purgatory on the way to paradise. But you see, God didn't tell me to screen the applicants, just to teach and love them. And according to God's great grace, if my scoundrel friend confession was sincere, then he's walking the same streets as Paul and Peter and King David. It's never too late to come to Christ for help. You don't wanna miss the message from God. He's opening the door to you and are you answering? Are you letting him in? The hope of Christmas is Jesus. And I wanna challenge you, some of you, you may, you're like, I know Jesus, I've invited, he's been my Lord and Savior. Let's, let's do something different this year. Let's connect into a deeper level. And there may be some of you here today that maybe you've never, you've never said yes. You never have opened that door and said, Jesus, come on in to my life. Well, I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. This Advent season, we can be filled with the hope because of Jesus and his birth. He has come so that we can have that hope.